and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast episode number 80. 80. Yep. <laughs> for July 12th, 2017. For July 12th. February. What a week. <laughs> this, this is February. February. <laughs> Whatever. It's July in my so head. Wait a second. It was just my birthday. Uh, we are a podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and the greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, and math news. Steam power, the power to change the world. I'm Mike. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. Eventually. <laughs> so it's been a while again. Yep. Yes, it has. People keep dying. People well, keep, jobs keep getting crazy. Life happens. I'm yes, not life I'm happens. Just saying, it's just life. But we're going to get back into the way I just posted a new episode of Gears of Resistance like 20 minutes ago. So we're back. Cool. This is like two in one weekend. That's crazy. When's the last time you did Gears of Resistance, though? November. It hasn't been that November. long, right? November? November 11th. Really? That was my last episode, yep. Wow. Okay. I'm lazy lately. I go <laughs> life, lazy and It work. happens to the best of us. So, how's it going? Good. I haven't seen you lately. It's been a while for us to I know, to it's been, you. what, five minutes At or least. so? So, if anyone's listening, uh, this we're, we're trying a different uh, recording system this time. We're recording one to a uh, digital audio recorder versus hooking it up to the computer. So we might sound a little differently, but um, I think this is going to work much better because we can do this now anywhere. We don't have to sit in front of a computer. That's true. Yeah. So that's nice. So uh, what's going on in your world? Not much. And remember, we're trying to keep this to... Uh... Don't worry. I got this. <laughs> I got this. So I was, uh, that's what always kills us at the other ones. I we know. get we it's get off fine. topic and then it ends up being over an hour long. So I was watching Netflix this past weekend. It was pretty cool. The design show or the abstract. Whatever. It was pretty good. It was like I, I think, saw that on there, but it's not my kind of I think there was not my kind of thing. What was it? Eight eight designers? So they have like a photo like there's a couple of them that weren't designers though, which was kinda of weird. Like there was a photographer um, and then there was someone. She, I think she. Well, she is a designer, but she was doing. She did. I thought it was just more like she did layouts for like magazines, which I guess borderline. But um, I thought it was going to be more like people that actually make stuff, design. Mm-hmm. And there was a few of those. Um, so there was a guy Ralph Giles. He's um, uh, head of design for Fiat Chrysler. So he's talking about all the new. You know, they're working on yeah. new designs to kind of bring back the Chrysler land because it's kind of, you know, compared to the other ones, not mm-hmm. as famous. So, but he was really cool. Uh, there was a lady named Ez Devlin. She was probably my favorite one. She did like um, stage designs for like rock stars and Kanye. And and she did <laughs> her talking about her process of how she builds stuff was, I thought, the coolest one of them all. So then there was a guy, Bjark Ingalls. He was a. Copenhagen, Dutch, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, architect, I liked his a lot too, I I had seen him before, I had heard of him before, um, Tinker Hatfield, have you heard of that name? No, that sounds like somebody from West Virginia with a gun that's gonna 
chased you down the driveway. He uh, did all the like <laughs> Michael Jordan, Air Jordan shoes. He's like a shoe designer. Oh, okay. And he had a good story. I thought his not just what he designed. His st- story was good more than the what you know. I'm not a shoe fanatic like some other people like love. Yeah, shoes. I'm not a shoe fanatic either. Yeah, but um, nope. his story was a really good story. So anyway, I I encourage you to check it. It's only like eight hours of your life. So yeah, eight hours. I think each one, well, a little less. Each one's like forty minutes, forty-two minutes, forty-five minutes. Times eight episodes. Wow, so, it was good. It was. Kind so of is like, it like a series that they're doing, or I is think it going to do it? It's kind of like. Are they going to come out with more episodes so did, in a different right. vein or something? Or? Well, I think they'll see. It. So they've done. A, they the other the one I liked it was called Chef's Table. So yes, I saw that one. On five there or too. six chefs. Yes. So this was it was that same concept of a show, except instead of like being following a chef, it was following designers. Okay. So yeah, you, they could do another eight episodes in another year. I don't know. I have a hard time finding stuff to watch on Netflix because you're so you're you promise you're too choosy. Yes, I am. You got and, and you give <laughs> it up. It takes a lot. You got to like everything's like like here's a perfect transition. So like um. Um, what was the show you were trying to talk about the other night? Stranger Things, right? Yes, yes. I could not get into that. I like, and I, I try. I mean, I went back. I watched the first episode, and I just it's it. You won't. It doesn't. None of it makes sense until the end. Anyway, you've got to watch. Yeah, but see that that kind of, of stuff like, doesn't. An, I need it to hold my attention from the. You know, I need it to come out of the gate and do something that holds my attention. It was just so wacky the first I don't it I don't know. Well so so much of it didn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. It's it's not, I mean it's not supposed to make sense. I'm assuming it's some sort of government testing thing or something or I don't think even I don't think they'd really explain how they it haven't even explained that yet. Oh my goodness! Well, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Barb gets her revenge. So you got to watch it for Barb. So you don't even know who that is yet. You haven't even mm, seen I, Barb. No, I, yeah. You need to watch for, for Barb's sake. Anyway, there was something. It's a good segue because I was also watching this weekend ET, which yes, obviously Stranger Things was heavily influenced by ET. Yes, eighties and nineties. Well, eighties sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Right? And I noticed something that was very interesting. In they both open the kind of the same way. They both have like kids sitting around yes. the table playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And here's what I found interesting. In Stranger Things, in the modern day telling, all the kids sitting around the table playing were like the nerd kids, right? The geeky yes. nerdy kids. And I didn't notice this, but E.T. It's the older brother and his friends that are sitting around playing it, oh. and they're all the cool kids. And he's Mikey, the Mike, the kid, yeah, on the football team. So in the original '80s, the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons were the cool kids, and Elliot was the, couldn't play because they didn't. He, he yeah, he was the nerdy little younger kid. But I yeah. thought that was interesting that thirty years later we kind of re we that think, is interesting. When we look back at the history of it. We think it was the nerds, but in reality, the original E.T., the yeah. kids playing Dungeons and Dragons were the cool kids. So I thought that that's was true. Yeah, that is that's I think that says a lot about how our society has evolved in 30 years. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to talk about my little radio thing, but I think I'll save that for Gears of Resistance. OK. I need a little radio that can talk. Yeah, about. I think that's best for Gears of Resistance. All right. So you want to get into the stories? Yep. I think that's good. All right. Here we go. 
first story is our science story, and it comes to us from Industry Tap. And the headline is, end of fillings in sight as scientists have found a drug that regenerates teeth. You should be clapping for this one. Yes. <laughs> I should be clapping for this one. If um, I have any left by the time they go to regenerate. So here's the story. Yes. This comes out uh, uh, from our uh, friends across the pond in London, King's College of London. Um, they've been playing with a drug called Tide Glucip. Tide Glucip which was okay. previously used in Alzheimer's clinical trials, but hmm. apparently it stimulates the stem cells contained in teeth. The drug improves the teeth's natural ability to heal itself by actually generating new dentine, the dense bony tissue underneath the enamel. Hmm. That's interesting. So basically, uh, unless some jerk takes this medicine and jacks the price up a bajillion dollars, like it's been going here in the oh, US. Oh, that never happens. Um, you might not be getting fillings anymore. They might just give you some hmm. meds or... They would still... Uh, okay, so you're saying that it would... Um, it would regenerate the tooth and eat away the cavity or something? So what it's saying is... are the Or would the dentist have to drill out the cavity and then the tooth would regenerate itself? It says, the simplicity of approach makes it ideal as a clinical dental product for the natural, natural treatment of large cavities by providing both pulp protection and restoring dentine. Okay, so they inject it into the tooth, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is it says that you might not need to have fillings anymore, which to okay. me is awesome. Basically, it, you're growing back the, the – not the enamel, but you're growing back the underneath. I don't think it's – it doesn't yeah. say enamel, but um, it's saying it says – the story ends with creating a more natural way to, for tooth to repair itself can not only eliminate the, these issues. With, they're talking about dent, people fear going to the dentist, but also <laughs> yeah. be a far less invasive <laughs> treatment for, option for patients. Huh. It sounds like something they would in, so it sounds like something that the dentist would drill out the cavity. I don't think it's like you pop a pill and No, it sounds like the dentist would drill out the cavity and then they would inject this but it into like your tooth and then it would it. stimulate your right. tooth to grow. At least the the that part underneath the enamel. But I wonder how long it takes for that to occur because if the dentist is drilled out Right. A cavity, it's like you don't have too long before it has to grow back or else you're going to have a way for bacteria to keep getting into your teeth. Well, I'm sure the fact that they think it's actually a viable solution means it must work. For, they, I think they're, I think these people are smart enough that they've thought about all those things. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to trust them. I just think that is – I'm going to – Put a little tickler on this news story and follow it because I can't wait till because our doctor down here he is pretty proactive. He is pretty, yes, he is. You can tell that he likes he likes to be on the you know forefront of what's going on, but at the same time, some of it is cost prohibitive. You know, Again. for a small town dentist to be you know doing cutting edge technology is probably not. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is a it? good financial move, but you can tell he's interested in it, though. He's definitely interested in it. He was talking to you about the 3D printing well, the tooth. Right. He, he 3D yeah. printed my thing for my yeah. thing last summer. Yep. 
right in his office. He didn't your have crown, to, right? My crown. He yep. didn't have to send it out. I yeah, I have to get two crowns. That's part of my treatment that I have to get. So I guess they'll three D print those too. Right there. Yep. Merry Christmas, by the way. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. There you go. I got you something. <laughs> something real nice, Clark. Yep. Uh, next story. Moving to our technology story. Uh, this comes to us from Ars Technica. We finally have a computer that can survive the surface of Venus. So, I don't know if people know this, but Venus has a very dense atmosphere, right? And so it is yeah. high pressures, high temperatures. Thing. Well, that, well, duh. I mean, it's closer to the sun. Well, has nothing, I don't think it's anything to do with how close it is to the sun. It's just oh. that it has such a thick atmosphere. Um, it's, it's basically it's what happens when if our planet, if we let ozone run away from us. So you don't think it's the it, heat that causes that? It's the no. It's 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 so it's the thick gases traps heat in. I mean, yes, because it is closer to the sun. Yeah, there's a lot more heat coming in. Yeah. And therefore, and they're, but the thick, they're making the gases act differently because but, of the heat. Well, no, the gas doesn't let the problem is that then the gas, the, the gases don't let the heat escape because it's so thick. So okay. it's, not only is it getting the sun, it's also baking itself kind of, it's like it's in a sleeping bag. Yes. Right? Okay. I got you. So not only is it taking the sun from heat, it's keeping, it's trapping that heat longer. Yes. And then because it's such a thick atmosphere, I think it, they said what it's like 90 times uh, the pre the atmospheric pressure on Venus is 90 times that of the Earth. It would be the equivalent of trying to swim in 900 meters underwater. So that kind of pressure is what you would have just standing on the surface of Venus is what you would feel if you're on Earth 900 meters under the water. Yeah. It's pressure. So basically the heat, the pressure, our normal computer chips that run your computers, your iPhones can't survive. Okay. Just too much heat, because um, the, the average the average surface temperatures uh, four hundred seventy degrees Celsius, which is about eight hundred seventy eight degrees Fahrenheit. It's a little hot. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so researchers with NASA, um, you know, because we want to explore space, we want to see what's on. The, we've done <laughs> the Russians uh, went to Venus, I think, in the was it the seventies or eighties, eighty one, I think. Um, yeah, it says eighty one. Yep. You know, and they had they, their their probe lasted there for a few hours. It did send the first pictures back, but um, you know, there's been also stories about potentially um, imagine like because the because the the atmosphere is so thick, mm -hmm. you could have the type of spaceships that you might have out there are more like ship you know like ships float on water. Mm -hmm. Well, spaceships that go to explore Venus might just sit in the atmosphere. So why why has the U.S. not been interested in Venus? Because it says the three more spacecraft followed all Soviet. Right. But we haven't tried to land anything on Venus since 1985. So why I was... Venus in general doesn't have as much interest because... It doesn't have anything we can really use. Well, you're not going to be able to use or what? Mars is just a more appetizing target because it is potential. It's easier to set up or, or yes, think about setting okay, up a yes, colony on I Mars get that, yes. than it would be on Venus. Okay. Um, and then you know, there's just no, there's only so much money to go around. So anyway. <laughs> Why were the Soviets interested in Venus then? Well, I mean, there is some interest from like, you know, again, Doing environmental research, understanding what's happening on Venus would help us understand what's going on with our green earth, our green. Yeah, except, gases. I mean, 
Russia and Soviet Union, there is not a warm climate. It's not. It's just the research. It's the scientific research. Okay. It's the pursuit of knowledge. Um. So anyway, the folks at NASA Glenn Research um, have basically built um, an integrated circuit out of silicon carbide, uh, basically a ceramic type of material, and was able to – they stuck it in their big – they call it the gear, the Glenn Extreme Environments Rig, mm-hmm. um, which is basically something – a big, a big butt – Big ass, big butt. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I could hear it coming out of your mouth. It's before. coming. I, I'm surprised basically, you it stopped simu- it. It, simulate, it simulates basically the conditions on Mars. Okay. And they put this little chip in there, which I think was just a little, a little resonator circuit. And it was able to keep a steady functioning at 1.26 megahertz. Wait, conditions on Mars or conditions on Venus? Hours. Excuse me, Venus. Okay. So here's the cool thing about it, right? So yes, we would love to have this technology today. It's going to be very expensive because we want to put it into these unique scientific applications. But this very much has practical application, right? If we can figure out how to build computer chips cheaply that can run at higher power, um, more te- higher temperatures, yeah, and that benefits your cell phone. You could have, you know. Better phones, uh, they won't get as warm because and, and lose performance. So this is one of those technology stories that has both. Right now, it has the future cutting edge. I thought you were saying they practical. would run better if they had the higher temperature. No, it, it can withstand. It can. It can okay. Silicon can. But we don't chips. want our phones getting that hot. Do no, we? no. It's that they can. They can tolerate. You don't want it to get them hot, but they can tolerate it. Right now, your phone, like, have you ever set your phone in the, in the, uh, or your iPad out in this, in your car on a hot summer's day? No. And you go to turn it on and it goes, temperature too high. I can't. Actually, yes, that did happen to me once. Right. Yes. So, basically, mm-hmm. this kind of technology would eliminate that. They could, I say, it could, the chip would be like, but I But that wouldn't be good for your phone, would it? As is today, but that's the promise of this new technology. Okay. It wouldn't care. It doesn't care about the heat anymore, it can tolerate the higher temperatures. That's the whole point of the research. Okay, I I got you. So anyway, my point of the story was that maybe the one day I could run Grand Theft Auto Five or uh, Fallout Four on my desktop computer without having to worry about burning the house down. <laughs> that's the real. That's what I'm hoping for is to be able to run video games um, at a reasonable. Uh, Okay. Anyway. So you're thinking it might drive down the price of well, it like might, the gaming computer no, it, type it, of it system. Might, it just might change how – no, we'll never change it. It'll just – it'll make the technology better. It'll We can enter – if we take it and we integrate it in how we do normal computers, then in the future potentially you have better performance machines with, you know, no change in price. Okay. You get more performance, less price or same price. That's that you're getting the business things when you're talking about why prices don't drop. If prices don't drop, it's not because of the technology. It's because yeah. I mean, look at the iPhone, right? If if you went to, you today, if you try to make the original iPhone, you could probably sell it for like thirty bucks. But no one's going to buy a, a, a first generation iPhone capabilities. Everybody wants the newest, greatest thing because that yeah. helps keep the prices up. You keep throwing more crap into it. Anyway, next story. All right, hold on here. Science. Let me get to Science Daily. Right. While you get there, I'll I'll start talking a yep. little bit. Uh, so this is this is from Science Daily. 
Uh, it's our engineering story, and it leads off with engineers harness stomach acid to to power tiny sensors. Ingestible electronic devices could monitor physiological conditions or deliver drugs. Yes, I thought this was interesting. So it looks like the work is being done at MIT. And basically, you swallow a pill. It drops down into your stomach where you have a bunch of acid. Yes, it looks like a pill. It's not a pill like we know a pill per se. It's a pill shape. Yes, it's got born inside. Yes, exactly. It's not. It's not um, it looks like purely it's medication. Like <laughs> it does. It looks like pill. a little rocket type of thing. But but the, basically the idea is <laughs> just like if you take um, a, um, a lemon and you stick in two different electrodes of two different metals, you can generate a, a voltage. Yeah. Um, this is basically saying substitute the lemon with your stomach acid. And therefore, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. You can now basically, you know, the the problem is um, how do you power this stuff, right? And batteries are probably not good things to swallow. No. (laughs) So, but so basically the electronics, they're saying power the electronics, which includes a sensor and a radio. Because I think it said somewhere here, right? It was able to transmit like up to six meters or two meters. Yes. So... I'm just wondering, like, how, how, um, how long this is going to stay in your stomach. Because I'm assuming they want it to deliver probably medication and stuff like that. Would it be, would it be something you have to take a new one every couple weeks? Well, I'm assuming it's going to be like anything else you eat, right? I mean, it says here, in test pigs, the device took an average of six days to travel through the digestive tract, while in the stomach, the voltaic cell produced enough energy to power a temperature sensor and to wirelessly transmit to a base station located two meters away with a signal every 12 seconds. And then are we going to poop these things out? Yep. And then what happens when they get in our water stream and all that? And then that's uh, going to be polluted by little... little... Electronics, right? Yeah. Well, then the base you are because it's good. Biodegradable. That's, that's going to change the way that we filter sewage and stuff and everything. I mean, completely. I don't think our country's ready to spend infrastructure on that just yet. <laughs> well, spend yeah, money on we, that. That's another. We got to we got to rebuild our infrastructure anyway. <laughs> yeah, gonna, we're we're so far behind in that area that it's hard to imagine them catching up to the point that that would really be a viable alternative unless they're just not going to think about it until you know 50 years from now when it's no. a horrible issue and no, we've changed i think we're much more environmentally conscious now up ahead of time no but uh, yeah the other Hopefully. thing is then medicine release right yes so instead of relying on a chemical reaction you could mechanically like open a little valve yeah. Use the medicine, close it. So that begs your question of like, right, how long do you stay? I mean, and I wonder how much medicine, like, could you get tailored pills that deliver all of your, you know, like, say you're on like five different medications. Right. Could you get a pharmacy to make you, you a pill that delivers all five of your specific medications? Sure. Right. 
and then instead of one for each medication, you know, that's that's no dosage. different than what we're doing now. <laughs> and then maybe there's a way to like tailor the dosage based on what it actually yeah. is in your stomach, right? Like if I see that's a true. certain metal, like I'm thinking of especially if you were taking like but it, but what if it's a what if it's a psychological medication? That would be. I guess it depends on the way that the medicine works in your body. Because uh, right. they're I mean, different. Right. Stuff works different so ways. Hopefully you're but... not having blood in your stomach, right? If you got blood in your stomach, it's probably a bad. Yeah, that's a bad. Day. Yeah, so you can't monitor the blood. But I mean, then you could start talking about like working as a system, right? Like you ingest the pill, but then you have something else that's inserted in your brain or in your. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That monitors blood flow and then tells talks to the thing in your stomach and says, "Okay, here's what I'm seeing in like oxygen levels." Only change it, change the release dosage to this. Yes. So, it's well, a and if world. you're going to get something that is inserted in your brain, then why not just get, you know, maybe they could figure out what exactly your chemical composition is if you're depressed or something, and they could end up, you know, changing your brain signals right. to give you more of the or more importantly like you know a lot of times we take medicine you take it every 12 hours or every day yes regardless but maybe there's a way where in the future where it only releases when it's needed right yeah well that's what i was saying like maybe you could just take one pill every two weeks and it would release medication at the times it needed to i guess that would be tricky if you had more than one medication that was in the pill yeah. Because then it would have to learn to release this one at this time, this one at this time. That would be kind of tricky. But, I mean, it's doable. You know, Certainly. they would just have to measure the composition of the drugs and all that kind of stuff. So, better life through engineering, better living yep. through engineering. All right. Moving on to our art story of the week Paris. This comes to us all by Artnet News. Paris will install eight-foot bulletproof glass walls around the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, it was a slow, um, slow art news. The plan emphasizes <laughs> aesthetics, access, and security. So basically, I guess in response, you know, Europe's facing a lot of terrorist issues. Yes, and they're, um, it says they're trying to um, put in a bid for the. I think it's the Summer Olympics, twenty twenty-four Summer Olympics. Yeah. So basically, how do you? take architecture you know and make it and add security to it right and still maintain aesthetics that's, that's a good issue, question right? yeah how do you do aesthetically secure things because security is is inherently big and bulky and ugly and least you know when i think security stuff in buildings i've seen bollards and you know jersey barriers yeah they're big hunks of ugly concrete. So here they're saying they're going to basically, I guess uh, you've been to, have you been to Paris? I've never been to Paris. I have never been to Paris, but I've been to France. So basically what I understand is the Eiffel Tower, you can just walk underneath the base, but they're going to put a, this, this is going to be a wall around it. So you go through a security check and then you can go tour the base of the, of the, yeah. So I guess what they're trying to say is we want to, you know, we don't because it would right. It would change it, visually. It would change. Yeah. So it it would prevent somebody from from going to stand underneath of it and doing something that would hurt people but or you know from the point of a wall is. So anyway, that's 
Yeah, yeah not much else to be said about not that. Not much else to be said. It's a wall around the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> They're going to build a wall. But it's going to be bulletproof <laughs> and glass. Paris is going to build a wall. So, anyway, let's go to our last... No, not... Is the last one? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. The math story. Science, wow. engineering, right. art, and math. From ScienceDaily.com, math learned best when children move. From yes. From the University of Copenhagen. I think that was my designer was from there. Copenhagen. Yes, Denmark. Denmark. Yep. Uh, so basically, tell me what the story says. Uh, let's see. It says children improve at math when the instruction engages their own bodies. And it also says children require individualized learning strategies, which is such a, of course they do thing, except I know that in our country, the educational system is not set up to provide individualized learning strategies. And I honestly would be curious as to how other countries handle that as well, because... You know, in, in our country, you have a class full of 25, 30 kids. The teacher cannot spend, you know, so much time on each child when she's teaching a math lesson because there's other things that they have to learn. So I don't know if other countries, maybe the kids go to school longer. Maybe they have, um, you know, one day that's all math for the week, one day that's all something for the week. I don't know. But that's just such a, of course, they do thing that. So here's the interesting thing I'm reading through this here. It says <clears throat> um, basically the, the way that they, they took a group of kids, they mm -hmm. broke them into three groups. <clears throat> there was a, obviously a control group that just did the normal paper The normal pencil, thing, yes. Yep. You know, teach math. Common core. <laughs> Common core. Common core. If six apples minus two squirrels equals a banana, then a cat fell on the roof in the middle of December. <laughs> the answer what, is what color? July. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it feels like sometimes. There's another control group that worked with math and using and then fine motor skills. Basically they used Lego bricks um to help teach um arithmetic and building models to solve geometry tasks. And then there was this one group, obviously for this one that said basically they cleared the desk out of the way, the kids sat down or that stood up and they moved their bodies and they as they tried to problem solve uh making shapes with their bodies or making triangles when they're trying to solve geometry. Um so it Basically, was it said here that their performance, the the group that had the movement, their performance improved by seven point six percent. I guess based on a test or whatever that they gave them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's almost that's seven and a half. 10%. Yeah, I mean that's, that's it's not it's not. Um, I don't think it's overwhelming enough that the educational system would completely overhaul their curriculum for it, but. Yes, it is a definite improvement that specialized learning centers and things like that, I think, would start to right. develop. So I guess the point is not so much that 
all children benefit from this motion learning. It's to yes. recognize that there truly is a whole spectrum of way people learn. Yes. And you have to recognize that some people are well, going to learn. Cause, you know, and honestly, I mean, I think this kind of goes along with like the Montessori way of learning, which I think quite a few kids – I would argue more kids respond to that than respond to Common Core. But Montessori is like the hands-on learning where they actually do math with objects and things like that. So that does encourage movement, not as much movement as they're talking about here. But, you know, it is kind of like a middle ground of what the public school does and what they're talking about with this. So here would be my question too. Since math is such an abstract concept anyway, the, the, the the motion helps you, I guess, maybe take what is abstract and make it into a tangible physical thing. Would this, would, would, would basically my question is, I think the thing is, hold on, let me ask. Okay. Does does, (laughs) does this work for just memorizing like uh, social studies facts with beginning up, and standing in front of the probably your body also uh, uh, help you do your just your your rote memorization. Kind yes, of stuff. there are probably kids who learn better when they can focus on their studies, which would mean their if their body is moving then their brain is sort of focused on an area of their work. It's not, you know how sometimes when you're sitting still and you're taking a test and you're really trying to concentrate on it, but your mind starts to wander and you look around the room at everybody. And that happens every day at work. <laughs> yeah. So I think sometimes when you just sit there and your brain doesn't have anything to really distract it from different areas, you know, different areas of the brain or you learn different things. So if you can distract certain areas of your brain and then take the area that you need to focus on your studies, that would improve it quite a bit. But we really discourage that kind of thing in public school, which is probably why our country is so far down on the totem pole as it is. But I would also argue that elementary math specifically is not that abstract. It's, it's an abstract concept, but it's the way that we teach elementary math is bring it back. Okay. The way that we teach elementary math is more of a rote memorization type of a thing. Right. And so, and, I understand there's, you know, the Common Core actually was trying to go against that concept and say, hey, if we teach it as more of an abstract thing, maybe they'll understand it better. But, you know, there's just something to be said for memorizing one plus one equals two. Because if that's the answer, you know, if, if it's a concrete fact that, this plus this equals this or this times this equals this, then I don't think it helps to learn that in an abstract way. I remember when Haley had that kind of work, it would be, you know, three plus nine, show your work. And it's like, 
<laughs> show you. So she had to like little, literally draw three little things plus nine little things equals 12 little things. And it's like, why can't they just memorize certain facts and, you know, mm. learn other things right. in an abstract way it, that it just doesn't work for certain there's, there's areas the, of there's math. There's things that are fundamental and there's things yes, that are... Yes, exactly. Right, so... Yes, math is an abstract thing and the the more you go along in it, the more abstract it gets. Yes, I agree with that. But in the beginning, I don't think it helps children to go in such an abstract direction when they need to have a foundation underneath of them of you know, just fa rote memorization facts, like one yep. plus one equals two. But I don't, I, mean, I don't understand why it's so hard to visualize in your head. One plus one equals two. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's the way I learn. Maybe, maybe it could be. I mean, that could just be my own bias. I don't, you know, I don't know, but I certainly know that for Haley, it was not beneficial at all. She has done so much better in math this year with the curriculum at middle school that has, it's still common core, but it is not, it's moved away from the traditional common core a little bit right? since it's the advanced. And she has done so much better this year than she ever did in elementary school. It was such a challenge to explain to her the different concepts when the way we learned it was just, it is what it is, you know? So, and again, maybe that's just our own bias, but. But if you're interested in the motor, back to the motion moving motion yes. part of this article, if you're interested, I guess there was, a, it's those recently published in the frontiers in human neuroscience, which I guess is a scientific journal. Uh, it I think it looks like it was, Late twenty December twenty sixteen. Okay. Um, this article is motor enriched learning activities can improve mathematical performance in pre adolescent children, and I would say even probably post adolescent children. Yes. Oh yeah, adolescent adults. Yeah, and adolescent I'm, adults. I'm sure there's something to be said of certain jobs where adults can get up and you know move around and engage different areas of their brain so that they can focus in on what they need to be doing. I will say the picture that accompanies this article, it's a little girl sitting at a desk with the researcher hooded, putting on like the, uh, yes. the skull cap <laughs> that, yeah. with all the electrodes. She just looks so freaking excited to be there, man. She's like, uh. <laughs> so anyway, that's it for this week. Yep. Or month or year. Maybe we'll do one a year. <laughs> Hopefully not year. <laughs> um, I think maybe um, we'll we're shooting aim for, for one a month. month. Yeah, that's what I think With too. The ideal trying to do once every other week, but probably more likely once a month. But yeah. we'll see. Um, I guess I got that's, I got nothing else to say. Nope, I'm good to too. Say? Are you nope. good? We're good. Mm -hmm. You should good. It's dinner time for us. Yep. All right. So with that, we uh, – We'll say thank you all very much for listening. Um, you can head over to – we. I've, it's all now on gearsofresistance.com. So 
basically okay. Steam Power Podcast Does that episodes will be there. To, right. Okay. We'll re- redirect now to Gears Resistance. So now I only got one website to keep up. Um and then you just you can you can search for do you want to see Gears of Resistance episodes or do you want to see Steam Power Podcast? So um you can head over to gearsresistance.com to find all your Steam Power Podcast news. All the the archive I moved it all over to there. So it's all now in one happy place. Okay. All right. All right. So with that, thank you all very, very much for listening. And until next time, stay stay quirky. And keep it steamy. Later. Later. Later.